This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Welcome back to Knowledge at Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Thanks for spending part of your day with us. How many of you pet owners out there have had issues with your four-legged friends and their seemingly uncontrollable attitude issues? You know, tearing up the sofa, ripping out stuff at the house, taking plants out of the pots, whatever it might be. There are probably many of you out there. Well, the experts at the University of Pennsylvania School of Veterinary Medicine have been developing a new telemedicine web-based app designed to help you and your veterinarians deal with many of those issues. The app right now works so that local veterinarians would be able to connect with pen vet behavior experts to then pass on information to pet owners. But there is a component for pet owners themselves to learn more about these situations. Dr. James Sherple is a professor of animal ethics and welfare here at the University of Penn Vet School. He joins me in studio, as does Dr. Carlos Siracusa, who is director of the Small Animal Behavior Science uh, Unit at PennVet and also an assistant professor of clinical animal behavior. Great to see you both again. Thanks for coming in. Good to be here. Thank you. Nice to be here. So I I guess let's start with how and why the idea, I mean, I guess in this world of technology, being able to use an app to reach a certain segment of the population, in this case, pet owners really kind of plays right into why you would go this route, correct? Yeah. Uh, I think the the situation is that a lot of veterinarians, like a lot of family physicians, don't know not about, a lot about the behavior of pets. They know a lot about the, the medical problems, but they don't know a lot about the behavior because they don't, it's not, it doesn't feature as a prominent part of the veterinary curriculum when they're trained in many cases. Uh, there are, of course, experts in b- veterinary behavior, but they're very thinly distributed across yeah. the country. Yeah. So the idea behind this was to provide a method uh, for your veterinarian to connect you and your pet with veterinary behavior experts in the field um, and, and, and thereby enable that veterinarian to provide appropriate treatment for the client's pet. Carlo? Uh, yes, we have been providing consults to veterinarian. Uh, traditionally, they have been phone consults usually. Uh, so the the innovation in this web app is that uh, the, the the there is sort of a link, a connection between uh, us and the primary care veterinarian. But then the primary care veterinarian can ask to the pet owner uh, to upload materials that we can review. So the uh, the novelty in this app is that we can actually have access to uh, data, especially videos that are directly provided from uh, the pet owner. So we still go through the vet, but we have, uh, uh, let's say, a closer contact with the, with the pet owner. When you think about this issue in general, how, how significant, how big is the problem of pet behavior with animals? Oh, it's it's a big one, and uh, if you think that um, behavior problems are one of the main cause of uh, uh, rehoming pets and euthanizing pets, uh, and I think it's it's definitely a problem for the pet because yeah. it's a, a, a 
it, it, it goes through at a minimum a stressful experience of being uh, uh, relinquished to a shelter uh, or even euthanized. But it's also, um, I would like to emphasize that this is also a problem of public safety uh, because one of the uh, most relevant problem in, uh, in uh, veterinary behavior medicine is aggression and aggression to people. Mm -hmm. And uh, to prevent incidents, um, there is... Uh, no other professional uh, that is as qualified as veterinarians. So primary care veterinarians are the ones uh, that are sort of the sentinels to detect uh, potential uh, dangerous situ situations. Uh, we, as a specialty behavior service, uh, we do see cases that reach out to us because the situation is already too complicated, mm -hmm. but the prevention uh, is on the primary care veterinarians. So I think this is a tool that will empower uh, both pet owners to sort of raise flags if, if there is something the pet owner sees that, uh, that, that is uh, potentially is a risky situation, mm. and then the, the, the veterinarian to provide tools to prevent possible incidents. And I would think, James, that when you're, as you kind of alluded to, there are specialists that look at the behavior of pets, but you're talking about most veterinarians are worried about the, the medical care of that pet, whatever it may be. They're not necessarily focused on a day-to-day -day basis about the emotional issues that a pet may be having. Yes, and I think that's just partly because they, they're not sort of, they don't feel fully qualified to handle behavioral problems in animals. They're more than qualified to deal with uh, the medical issues, but when it comes to the behavioral stuff, they're a bit uncomfortable. Uh, handling of it in many cases. And um, we look on this as uh, a way for them to, as it were, uh, outsource uh, that, uh, you know, that professional need right. to experts who they can rely on here at the University of Pennsylvania um, so that they can actually add this as part of what they can do for their clients. How, how far along in the process is the app right now? Where are you in the testing of the app and actually getting it out and being used by veterinarians at this point? So the app is already working. Yeah. Uh, right now is not open to all the general public and the veterinarians. Right. We are uh, going uh, like through a phase of testing the app uh, with a pool of veterinarians that have been selected. And we, because this is a product for veterinarians, we yep. want to hear from veterinarians, sure. like, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, so there is still the possibility to enroll, um, and uh, um, they can contact, uh, um, like, our, our behavior service, uh, and uh, we can uh, uh, go through the company, because I, I also want to uh, acknowledge the company that builds, yeah. that has built the technology, yeah. Connect for Education, uh, so, and uh, uh, the veterinarians that contact us will be enrolled in this pilot. Uh, we'll, we will screen like if they uh, have all the characteristics that we're looking for and they will be enrolled in the pilot project, which works exactly as the uh, uh, like full version will work. So tell us about Connect for Education because in reading the story about this whole app being developed, it has a unique connection to, pe to PenVet. It does. It has a, an unusual history. Um, so uh, the CEO of Connect for Education, uh, Dongsuk Whitehead, um, had a has a daughter, and her, her daughter actually um, trained to become a veterinarian at Penn Vet. And 
I think she was so thrilled with the experience that her daughter had that she wanted to sort of give something back. And uh, they knew at the time about uh, some of the work that I'd been doing. And um, Dong Suk contacted me and came to my office and said, you know, we want to do something for PenVet. And, you know, what, what could we do? And, and so we hatched out this, this idea. But it was <laughs> a long time in the, in the making. So it took several years before we finally got the sort of wind in our sails and moved forward with it. Carlo? Yes. Uh, it, it was a um, fun experience also when uh, uh, Dong daughter, Kimi, uh, was a vet student. Actually, I remember in the behavior rotation, uh, and we had some uh, um, uh, interesting <laughs> experiences. Like uh, she was very interested in behavior, even if now she's not a behavior, she's a criticalist. Yeah. Um, so I, I think uh, she was also aware of what James was saying before, the um lack of general education in behavior, yeah. which is not the veterinarian's fault, is, uh, is, is mainly uh, uh, a school fault. This is changing now. M more and more schools, they are getting a, a CV, uh, like a curriculum, sorry, a, cur yeah. a curriculum on uh, behavior and welfare. But this was not the case. So Kimi was aware of these, and, and, and through her mother, we were able to help. Well, when you think about veterinary medicine in general, how much does technology play into it today? I mean, I wouldn't think it's a, it's a high level because you're, you know, when you're thinking about the veterinarian in you know, various points of the country, that person is actually seeing the, the patient hand to hand. Obviously there's a technical element, element to it of, you know, keeping a tr records, you know, contacting other people. But in terms of the pet itself, there isn't a whole lot of, of technology involved. No, for the most part, that's true. I mean, for example, for many years now, um, people like ra veterinary radiologists have been viewing radiographs, x-rays remotely from their desks, wherever yeah. their desk happens to be, and sending in uh, diagnostics to whoever the primary care for, uh, veterinarian is. But um, yes, for the most part, there isn't a lot of technology behind veterinary medicine. And we think this is a real opportunity to help veterinarians add value to their practice and also to help uh, clients out there who can't get easy access to expert advice on behavior problems. And I guess as you're, as you're developing this out and doing this testing right now, you're focused on dogs at this point, but I would imagine other animals could be eventually into the mix in terms of this type of, of research as well, correct? Yes, it definitely can. We're... Uh... We are a small animal behavior clinic uh, here, at least uh, in Philadelphia downtown. Um, so our patients are mostly dogs and cats uh, and uh, occasionally some uh, exotic pets. So uh, this is our main target. So for now is dog. Uh, we plan to include cats too. And uh, not, it's not just about the species, but it's also the context. So for example, uh, at some point, we would like to put this technology also at the service, uh, service of shelters, uh, sure, not just, yeah. not just uh, uh, privately owned pets. Because you're talking about some animals in that situation that may be very much, uh, and maybe even at a higher rate, having these types of emotional issues that are in these uh, shelter locations. Yeah, and, and, and many times it can really make a difference for these animals. If they live or die, it depends whether there is... Uh, the the possibility to have a, a relatively inexpensive 
access to uh, uh, behavior care. Uh, and uh, if, if, if then the veterinarian of the shelter think that this is a behavior problem, that they want to invest time and money, and this, it will be acceptable to a potential donor, this will, this will make a difference and keep the dog alive. James, you, you touched on something a second ago that I want to bring up, is the fact that in terms of how this will play out, video will actually play an, uh, an important component in terms of being able to understand what this animal is actually going through. Yes, and, in, and, and part of the technology that Connect for Education has been able to provide is a, a, a capacity for the client, say, to upload video and for the veterinarian to... Uh, provide time-stamped comments on on those types of uh, uh, video displays of whatever the behavior problem may be. And that's a very, very useful uh, feature from our perspective to be able to actually hone in on particular signals, for example, that the dog might be given stress signals or indicators that the dog's about to bite or doing, doing something right. um, that the client is probably not aware of, doesn't see, doesn't observe. And this gives, uh, you know, our experts the opportunity to really home in and say, uh, you need to watch out for this. This is something that's key to the problem you're dealing with. Down even to frame by frame, I guess I read, correct? Yes. Uh, the, I think the, definitely the key factor in behavioral medicine is increasing awareness um, about dog body language and communication. Right. Uh, like people also pushed by uh, media tend to think that uh, um, dogs, they think and behave like humans, uh, but they don't. Um, and, uh, and actually many times uh, our body language, our action can be perceived as threatening by dogs. Mm -hmm. Some dogs will just, uh, uh, just uh, tolerate them, well, they will not bite. Um, but some other not. They would say, look, you are being really rude or yeah. inappropriate yeah. with me. Uh, so this technology allow us to, um, having the owner up, uh, uh, uploading a video, uh, and, and then um, we can analyze the video stop, like when we see a frame where the dog is presenting a specific body posture yeah. and say, when you see this, uh, you should, for example, increase the distance. Right this morning in, in clinical rounds with students, we were asking this case in which uh, a dog is rolling over. Mm. And when dogs roll over, most people would think that they want their belly rubbed. Sure, yeah. But actually, this is not true. <laughs> and in many cases, dogs that roll over, not always, but in many cases, they, they are actually sending on... Um, a signal to increase the distance, like, well, huh. take it, uh, uh, slow down, like, uh, give me time and space. I don't feel safe with this interaction. So uh, then when people go to touch these dogs, at some point this dog may bite. And, uh, and having the possibility to educate owner about this. And it's not just about owner. There are studies that show that actually even veterinarians uh, sure. Because of what, what James was saying, saying that there's no training, um, veterinarian thing that tail wagging is the most reliable indicator of friendliness in dogs, which mm -hmm. is not. Tail wagging means you are on my radar, like look at the rest of my body yeah. to, to understand what my feeling is. 
but just the tail wagging is not enough. You've just killed two of my perceptions about dogs right there. So well, my, I, my friends... I'm going to have to go back to, to school on this. My friends tell me that they don't want to talk to me about their animals because I sort of kill all their dreams. But, how, but just playing off of something you said there, how important is that component between pet and owner and the understanding uh, or the misconceptions by owners about their pets? It's it's relevant. It's it's not the only thing, but um, uh, the other part of the picture is that the, the popular the pop culture about dog behavior wants to think that uh, there are no bad dogs. Everything is about the owner. This is not true. Right. Uh, dogs like people, uh, they come with different temperaments. Yeah. Uh, so there is the dog that is more reactive, more scared, more anxious. Um, that tends to panic and, and they don't quote unquote think about what they do. Yeah. Uh, so if you have a dog like this and, and he's living with an owner that basically doesn't understand the dog, then this is the sort of explosive mix because the dog is trying desperately to communicate something. Yeah. The owner is missing this piece of information and then the dog might result in extreme uh, solutions and, like aggression. And I guess the byproduct uh, advantage of this is also by using an app like this, and whether it is the communication coming from the experts here at PenVent to a veterinarian, or if it is going to the pet owner themselves, especially for the pet owner, that you have a chance to kind of, in some cases, change that relationship between pet and owner to improve it and make it better. And hopefully we don't see the occasional case of, you know, a dog, you know, penned up for, you know, weeks upon end in some place without having food or, or you know, being able to, to be able to get around uh, in a relative fair fashion. Certainly, that would be our hope. Um, and another important component of the app, I think, is, is a sort of educational component. It's not just going to be this three-way three -way interaction between the vet, the client, and us. It's going to also we hope over time um, develop considerable educational resources for both clients and vets, uh, including you know instructional videos, yeah. um, articles, papers, whatever stuff that we think would be helpful for people to read to get to better understand and become better educated on yeah. animal behavior. You're you're at this point in the development of the app. Uh, and what you want to bring. But I guess kind of what James was saying here, there are probably other elements that as you get this up and running, you will be able to expand upon this app to, you know, take it to that next level. Correct, Carl? Yes. The next level, um, and, and, and I think it was one of the uh, main goal at the beginning, uh, uh, one of the main goal of Downsock especially, was to provide people in general with information that has been screened, mm -hmm. uh, uh, sort of peer reviewed by by um, uh, people at the university, uh, because the problem, as I was saying before, the problem is that uh, there is so much information uh, available on the internet through the media that uh, didn't go through any type of screening, whether it's valid, it's just a pop culture, or it's a bad science versus um, information that has been validated. Uh, so we want to provide people with easy access to valuable information because what we see during our appointments is that many uh, people do mistakes 
because they they just got the wrong information uh and they they they, uh, they their intention were really good right the, but but uh they just found the the wrong information up to extreme cases in which uh, we had some people uh, uh crying because they they didn't really want to do what they were advised to do they right. they they recognized that it was not a nice thing to do to the dog but they uh, trusted the uh, self-proclaimed experts uh, so people are really disoriented yeah. so we want to provide people with a with a good source of information the other interesting piece of this is obviously going back to the technology for a side for a second here uh, james is the fact that I mean, pretty much everybody is carrying a smartphone of some kind these days. And that is one of the great ways to connect with the public in general. And especially in this area, not only to be able to make that connection, but to be able to make it in a timely fashion as well, so that you can either A, get an answer, or B, have information to be able to help you in that process. Yeah. And I, we hope that the kind of um, University of Pennsylvania imprimatur will give people the confidence to believe that the information they're getting here is good, reliable, high quality, instead of simply just somebody's opinion, which is largely what's out there. You know, there are so many sources of misinformation about dogs and dog behavior out there. Um, there's a whole mythology about dog behavior out there. Right. And people, unfortunately, buy into it because it sounds kind of convenient and trite, and it sort of seems to make sense at a superficial level, but it's actually deeply misleading and leads to dogs in many cases being mistreated. Yeah, I was going to say, it probably leads to a majority of the issues that we see between pets and owners over the course of time, correct? In many cases, yes. Uh, joining us in studio, Dr. James Sherpel and Dr. Carlos Siracusa from uh, University of Pennsylvania Veterinary School. Again, your comments welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I want to go back to the Connect for Education for a second because I, I think that's an incredible offer that that they gave you. And I know you mentioned this has been several years in the process, but for somebody that maybe necessarily, well, obviously she had her daughter that was going to PennVet uh, to study. Uh, but realistically, from a business perspective, wasn't really connected to this, but having the understanding of wanting to give back and a way that she can do it through her business that she, you know, she's been running right now. Yeah, it's quite incredible, actually, um, because she really provided the primary motivation from the get go. I had been sort of thinking about ways of doing this for a long time when she walked into my office, but up until that point, I really didn't see a way to do it. And, and then suddenly she provided the mechanism. And, and, you know, I have to emphasize that um, Connect for Education has covered all the development costs of this. It hasn't cost the University of Pennsylvania or the vet school anything, really, other yeah. than and time and imagination. And uh, I, th I think that is, like you say, an incredible offer. Is there the expectation that you will be able to, obviously you're doing the testing right now, but you will be able to expand this and open this at some point to the public so that they can, you know, and obviously whether it be through videos of you or somebody at PenVet providing information, but having that greater connectivity with the consumer, with the pet owner in general, so that they can literally have it at their fingertips, say, okay, I go on the, uh, on the app. Okay, my dog has X problem. 
and at least I can get some information so either I can refer this to my veterinarian or I can start to do something myself. Yeah, I mean, you can. You, the, we hope there'll be self-help materials there. What we can't do is interact directly with the client right. um, for legal reasons. Right. So everything must be done through the veterinarian if it's going to get to the point of actual you know, a clinical consultation. So it isn't truly as what we hear as telemedicine these days of having that connection back and forth on the medicine side between the patient and the doctor. This is an offshoot of that. Yes, but depends on the nature of veterinary medicine, which is different. Uh, Veterinary medicine, uh, your, your client is basically the pet owner, it's not the patient. So uh, legally, we have all, always to deal um, with uh, uh, with with the veterinarians that then, uh, uh, like, as a personal relationship with the client, and then the client refer about the patient. Yeah. Like the patient itself, the dog cannot decide. Uh, like what yeah. type of medical yeah, right. assistance? Then we've got a bigger story if the if the pet is able to make that distinction. We'll see one day. Maybe they can decide. Oh, let me call the vet. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, all the best to this uh, with this project, and uh, look forward forward to seeing more of this uh, when I open up my smartphone uh, here in the weeks and months to come. Thank yeah. you both for coming in. Junior, you're welcome. Thank you for your time. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.